deacons, you have served well, and I appreciate your service, and I look forward to continue, uh, continuing to work with you, uh, even if, though you're not in the official capacity. Uh, but, but I know you'll be eager and chomping at the bit to come back on when your, <laughs> when your time comes around. Uh, that was a joke, of course. But uh, uh, 1 Timothy 3, verse 8. Now, I'm reading out of the King James, and so yours might be a little different. But, but it's, in the KJV, it starts out likewise. Um, likewise to what? Well, likewise to the bishop or the, uh, the pastor. The, the word bishop um, is used uh, four times. It's also translated as overseer in Acts chapter 20. The, the Greek word is episkopos. There's also a term called elder. That's presbuteros in the Greek. That's used about 67 times. It's translated elder. Uh, you might be interested to know that pastor only occurs one time in the New Testament. And it's the Greek word poimen. Every other time that it's translated, it's translated as shepherd. Now, the Greek word for deacon is diakonos, and it means servant. It literally means to wait on tables. Uh, so next time you're in a restaurant, if you want to really wig out your server, you tell them you're the best deacon I've ever had, and you give them a good tip, and that'll open up the door for you to share the gospel with them. You know, that's a little conversation starter. Uh, but don't tell them where you go to church because they'll think you're weird. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Likewise, it's amazing to me that the, uh, the requirements for the deacon are not much different from that of a bishop. You know, we, sometimes we think, well, uh, if a guy doesn't quite cut it as a bishop, we'll make him a deacon. You know, he doesn't quite have the spiritual acumen to, to be a, a bishop, so let's make him a deacon. But that's far from the, uh, the biblical uh, norm. The biblical idea of a deacon is one who is spiritually discerning, who is uh, knowledgeable in God's word, who is faithful in service. And uh, if, if, if the first deacons are found in Acts chapter 6, which a lot of people believe that was kind of the groundwork for the first deacons, uh, among those seven guys, uh, Philip and Stephen were both powerful evangelists, both powerful preachers. Uh, Paul called himself a deacon. Uh, he called himself a deacon in 1 Corinthians and in several other places, uh, diakonos. Uh, all Christians, by the way, are called to serve. Every Christian... In this church and in, in the world is called to serve. Everybody. Everybody is a minister. But some have been called to special, uh, special ministry. Now, it says that the deacons must be grave. Now, that's what it says in the KJV. And I think it's a little misleading because we get the idea that the, the deacon walks around with a frown on his face. You know, He's a very somber kind of fella. Somebody said, what's wrong with Adam? Oh, he just went on the deacon board, no problem. <laughs> Three years, he'll be right as rain. He'll be smiling again. I don't think that's... But he's to be a serious person. He's to be serious about his walk with God. He's to bring dignity to the office. Uh, I used to begin every sermon with a joke. Y'all remember when I got on that kick for a while? And the Lord kind of convicted me about that. I don't think there's anything wrong with laughing and having a good time in God's house and but, but I, don't want it to, I don't want to be a comedian, you know. I want to bring a certain level of dignity. And, and, and I may still tell jokes at the beginning of a sermon from time to time, and so I, I'm not legalistic about it. But I just got kind of convicted that there needs to be a dignity and a seriousness about the office. The deacon and the pastor does not need to be a clown, okay. It needs to be somebody that, that we can take seriously. 
Uh, he must not be double-tongued. He doesn't say one thing to one and another to another. Okay? He's not a gossip. He's not somebody. And, and the deacon's office, by virtue of his office, he knows stuff that's going on in the church. In the early church, they went from house to house, you know, ministering to needs. And so it would be very tempting then to go in one house and find out what's going on and then go over to the next house and say, hey, do you know what's going on over here in that house? And, and, we, and we joke about that, but, you know, it's a real temptation for any of us. And, and let me just say this right off the bat. These requirements here set forth are not just for deacons, okay? So you don't say, well, I'm not a deacon, so I can gossip. Or I'm not on the deacon board, so I can get sloppy drunk tonight. You know, that's, that's not the truth of the Scripture. The truth of the Scripture is that we all need to guard our tongues. In every, we're not to be double-tongued, but especially the deacon. He needs to be a, a man of his word. He needs to be somebody that if he says he'll do it, you can count on it. And we, live, we certainly live in a world where people don't do what they say they're going to do. Amen? Not double-tongued. Not given to much wine. The Greek word there is um, prosecco. And it means to take heed, to be addicted to, to have his mind set on. The deacon is to be a moderate person. He's not to have his mind set on wine. He's not to be addicted to, to much wine. He's not to be greedy of filthy lucre. Uh, he's not to be uh, seeking dishonest gain. Uh, I think one of the things we ought to do, and, and you know, it's interesting, when you, whenever the subject of deacon comes up in most churches, okay, whenever the search for a deacon comes up, about the only thing anybody cares about is have they ever been divorced before. I mean, that's usually the only criteria anybody ever cares about. Is it have, are they a widow, a widower, remarried, or whatever? And, and that's the thing that dominates. But I think we need to look deep into a person's character. Are they a gossip? Are they a liar? Are they a double-tongued person? Are they a person who lacks any self-control? Are they a goofball? And ironically, I made y'all laugh at that, didn't I? But are they a goofball? Or... Or is money their God? There's some people that I think we ought to vet their finances, you know, and see what's going on with them. Because a man that's in a whole lot of financial trouble, he might be tempted to use the church funds for his own personal use, you know. What's the remedy against greed and covetousness? Well, I believe it's generosity. Now, this is not in my notes, and it's not in the Bible. This is in the book of Henry Haney, okay? So you can take it or leave it. But I don't think a person who doesn't support the local church financially qualifies as a deacon. I believe that if you don't support the church, find it. Listen, and Betty Manis will tell you, I never, I don't know what anybody gives in this church. And I like it that way. I never, and I don't ask. I see a line item at the end of the month. Here was our budget, and we met it. And praise God that we did, and we exceeded it. Hallelujah, Jehovah Jireh. But I don't see who gives what. But I do believe that if you're going to be a, a, a candidate for a deacon, you ought to support your local church. Okay, I believe that. that you ought, and I don't just mean throwing a, a George Washington in the plate every, every once in a while, just as a token gesture. Y'all know I don't ever preach on money, right? I, I'm, not, I'm not a name it, claim it guy. I'm not a health and wealth preacher. But, uh, but I believe that. I just believe that with all my heart that we need to. I believe that if you don't support your local church, you're not fully invested in it. Now, I'm 48 years old. I shouldn't have told you that. You'll use it against me. But I'm 48 years old. But you know what? 
even now, if I, if I tell my mom and dad that something's going on with my teeth, if I got a toothache or something, they'll say, you better get to the dentist, boy. And my mom will always say, yeah, we got a lot of money tied up in your mouth, son, because they paid for me to get braces. My parents paid for my braces. And so if I'm having a, at 48 years old, if I tell my mom and dad something's going on with my mouth, they say, you better get to the dentist, boy. We got a lot of money tied up in your mouth. They're fully vested in that, okay? And so they care. And I know that's a silly example maybe, but I believe that if we're invested in our church, we'll give to it. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Okay. So there's, there's one thing that he must be in verse 8, three things that he can't be. And I call them the three M's. He's got to watch his mouth, his moderation, and his money. Okay, to help you remember. Okay. Verse 9, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. I believe a deacon ought to know the word of God. He ought to be a man of the Bible. And he ought to be a man who knows the Bible. And I don't mean from cover to cover because I don't know the Bible cover to cover. There's stuff I don't know. I don't mean you have to be a Greek scholar or that you had to go through a seminary class. But a deacon ought to know the word of God. But he also ought to live the word of God. That's what this pure conscience thing is about. Now in verse 10... It says, and let these also first be proved in the King James. The Greek word is dokamadzo. Now, some of your translations will say tested. Let them be tested. Now, the way some churches operate, and I've seen this, is they'll say, well, you know, uh, Brother Jones, uh, he's not real faithful in his church attendance, but if we make him a deacon, he'll start coming more. Wrong. Wrong. Well, if we just get him more involved, you know, or, uh, or somebody that's critical of the church. Well, brother so-and-so, he criticizes the pastor and the deacons all the time. But if we just get him on the deacon board, he'll quit criticizing because he'll be joining us. He'll be one of us, right? If you can't beat him, join him. No, because he'll bring that cancerous spirit into the church. You got let him first be free. I've noticed that everybody in the Bible that was ever used mightily of God, that they were tested. Joseph was tested before he was the prime minister of Egypt. Moses was tested for 40 years, you know. Um, David was tested before he was made king. Now, the King James says, let them let them use the office of a deacon. It's actually diakoneo, diakoneo. It's the same thing twice, so they struggle with how to translate it. But let them serve as a deacon after they've been proved. And notice they're to be found blameless. That's the same qualification for an overseer. Now, that doesn't say sinless. Right? Because if it said sinless, I'd have to turn in my two-week notice today. Let that soak in. It says blameless. That means nobody can hold a charge against us. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't have made a mistake in the past and have been forgiven of it. Let me say that again. Because there's some folks that hold the deacons to an impossible standard. This is totally off script here. Totally off script. Deacons are humans. Pastors are humans. If you're going to say a man can't have a, a mess up in his past, then rip out all the Psalms because King David wrote most of them. Not all of them, but he wrote most of them. Any of you love Proverbs? I do. Solomon had some issues. Abraham had some issues. Moses had some issues. 
What about the guy who's writing this to Timothy? Oh, Paul. You know what Paul did? We don't know specifically. The Bible does not explicitly say that Paul killed anybody. But it does say by his own admission that he forced Christians to blaspheme or else they would be put to death. You can read about that in the book of Acts. <laughs> the apostle Paul was such a bad dude that when he introduced himself to the apostles, they were scared to death of him. He was a terror. He, he, by his own admission, he said, I terrorized, I violently opposed the church. So if you're going to say that a man can't have any mistakes in his past, well, then Paul has no business serving as an apostle. But God, in his grace, and I think Paul started to realize that toward the end of his life, you know, when he's writing to Timothy, he said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. <laughs> and Paul said, God did it this way. He saved me so that you'd know there's hope for you. Hallelujah. See, I'm a nobody telling everybody that there's somebody that'll save anybody. Hallelujah. Nobody's beyond the grace of God. I'm about to get worked up here. And we still got some business to, to attend to. <laughs> Taking care of business. All right. Number 11. Uh-oh. Even so must their wives be grave. <laughs> Notice that they're to be dignified too. They're to be serious. They're not to be clowns. And again, it doesn't mean they can't have fun. Doesn't mean they don't have a sense of humor. But they're to be serious about their relationship with God. They're not to be slanderers. Interesting word, slander. Some of your translation will say a malicious gossip. Any of you got one that says that? You know what the Greek word is for, for that, for slander? It's diabolos. Does that sound familiar to anybody you know? The devil? When you gossip, you are fulfilling the ministry of Satan. Think about that. That's what it says in the Greek, is that, uh, uh, that the deacon's wives, and by the way, if you're a woman here and say, well, I'm not married to a deacon, I'm good to go. No, 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 no. <laughs> None of us are to be gossips because when we do that, we're doing the devil's bidding. That's the Bible. So when somebody comes to you and says, have you heard so-and-so, you can, put a, you can put the brakes on it real quick. You can say no, but let's pray about it right now. And I guarantee you that'll stop. That'll put a stop to it. But if you say no, I hadn't heard, do tell. It's just like, it's just like fanning a flame, you know. And it all it takes is a little bit for something to really blow up. I know. Don't ask me how I know, but I know. <laughs> They must be sober, so notice they're to be self-controlled too. They're to be faithful in all things, trustworthy. Can the deacon's wife be counted on? You know, a woman, a, 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 a deacon's wife or a pastor's wife can make or break his ministry. Honestly, can make or break his ministry. Number 12, let the deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. All right, this is a humdinger. The guys have, have uh, wrestled with this over the years. Let me tell you what it says in the Greek. The Greek text says that, that the bishop or the deacon is a one-woman man. 
The NIV and the NLT tries to translate this faithfully to the Greek by saying faithful to his wife. He's to be a one-woman kind of man. And some people say, well, uh, you know, what about the issue of divorce and remarriage? Well, Jesus gave uh, permission for divorce and remarriage under certain very clear, very limited capacity in the case of adultery, fornication in Matthew 5 and Matthew 19. Paul gave an exemption in 1 Corinthians 7 where the believer is abandoned. Okay. Uh, some say, well, in this case, it means that the pastor or the deacon has to be married. Well, if that's the case, Timothy couldn't be a pastor because I don't think he was married. If that's, the, if that's the case, Paul couldn't be a pastor because he was not married at the time. He was at one time probably married because he was in the Sanhedrin, and that was a qualification uh, to be a, a, a rabbi, was to be married. So we don't know what happened with Paul. Is he a widower? Did his wife leave him? I don't know. Um, and so that's, that would be an argument for silence. John MacArthur believes that it doesn't have to do with his marital status, but just like all the other qualifications, it has to do with his character. He's a one-woman kind of man. Because let's face it, folks, we all know people who have stayed married for many, many years. But not, that don't mean they're a one-woman kind of man. I mean, how many politicians do you know? I'm not going to name any names. But how many politicians do you know that have never been divorced, but you couldn't look at him and say, that's a one-woman man? Okay? A one-woman man is what, is what a deacon or a pastor has to be. Ruling their children in their own houses well. Now, that does not mean ruling with an iron fist. Okay? How do we rule? We rule the same way Christ rules us. In meekness, in love, in tenderness, and, um, and in, in integrity. You know, uh, it starts in the home. It really does. We can fuss all day long about prayer being taken out of schools. But how many of us are praying at home with our kids? If you're not praying at home with your kids, don't fuss about prayer in school. It's not the school's job to teach your kids about God. It's not. It's your job. It's your job to pray with them. <sighs> Have I made anybody mad yet? It's, on, you know, <laughs> it's not even <laughs> 12 o'clock yet and... If not, sit still. I'll be there in a minute. <laughs> Number 13, verse 13. For they that have, and again, the King James says, use the office of a deacon. Uh, let me translate it the way it is in the Greek. Those who have deaconed well, we use deaconing as a verb because the Greek word is diakoneo. Those who have deaconed well, they have a reward, and it's twofold. Number one. They purchase themselves a good, a good degree, a good standing. The Greek word there is bathmos, and that's a hapax legomenon, which means it only occurs one time in the Word of God. Uh, it's, it's, a stand, some, it's the idea of like a rung on a ladder. And, and I say this very carefully, but it's like putting him on a pedestal. Now, understand that we're not to be putting our leaders on a pedestal and worshiping them and following them blindly, but, but a deacon who has served well should be honored and should be held in high esteem in the church. Because let me tell you, any, any deacon, how many ordained deacons do we have here in, this morning? You ask any of these guys if it's easy to be a deacon? 
And after they stop laughing, <laughs> they'll say, no, it's challenging because you're dealing with stuff. You're dealing with people's issues, people's problems. And, and this current deacon, uh, deacon board has had to deal with COVID, you know, two years worth of just chaos, you know, not knowing what to do. So I, I especially respect you guys who have, who have served now and, and those who were, Willie was with us too with the, with the COVID issue. And, you just, and that's why, by the way, that's why there's no job description listed here for a deacon. It's because you might be called upon to do anything. I mean, honestly, you might be. And when I worked in public work and I was a manager, I always looked for people who did the bare minimum and I marked those guys. If I was saying to somebody, hey, would you do this? And if they say, Henry, that's not in my job description, I wouldn't fire them, but I would mark them. They'd never get a promotion. And if they were ever up for a, any kind of performance review, they wouldn't get a raise. Certainly wouldn't get a promotion. Um, but the deacon is willing to go above and beyond. Um, and he gets a good standing. And also great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. What you guys, and you, you previous deacons, you former deacons and current deacons will attest to this. There's just something about being involved in the deacon ministry that is so empowering. When you are in the word of God and you are praying and you are serving God's people, it will give you a boldness that you've never had before. It's just, and it, if you haven't been a deacon, you can't understand it. But if, you are, uh, if you're serving well, you have a good standing before man, but most importantly before God. Because I believe that these deacon callings are a gift. I believe it is a gifting, I really do. And I, I, can, I think I may get more into that on Wednesday night, I don't know. But, uh, but it's a gift, it's a calling. And I believe that God will reward the deacon who serves faithfully. That when you stand before the Lord, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Now, some of us may think, well, I'd really like to be a deacon because if I could, I could run the show. You've totally missed it. <laughs> if you're a pastor, your job description is a shepherd. Is a shepherd a glamorous job? No. It's cold, it's lonely, it's dark, it's dirty. And you have to be in and among the sheep to know the sheep, to truly be a shepherd. What about a servant? What about a deacon? Diakonos, it means to be a, a servant. To wait on tables, is that a glamorous thing? No. It's not a demeaning thing either, by the way. But it's not a glamorous thing. So if you aspire to be a pastor or a deacon, don't think, well, man, I'd love to be on that board so I can control what's happening in the church. You have totally missed the concept of a pastor and a deacon. We are here to shepherd and to serve. Those are our functions, to shepherd and to serve. And I'm going to make this pledge to you, and I feel like a politician doing this, so I really don't like doing this. But let me make, uh, I've been your pastor now for almost five years, not quite. So I hope with my track record you'll believe me that I'm saying this with some degree of sincerity. I make a pledge to you, I'm not going to try as a pastor to shove anything down your throat. Because I'm not here with an agenda. I'm here to serve. And I think in my heart that your deacons are exactly the same way. That they have your best interest at heart. That if there is a big decision that's made, it has been prayerfully. It has been thoughtfully done. It has been done with careful consideration and with wise counsel. Okay? 
Jesus Christ set the ultimate example. The last night he was on the earth, and I'm going to close with this. The last night Jesus was on the earth. If anybody needed to be served, it was him. If anybody could have used a little ministry that night, it was him. Now he's gathered these apostles around for one last, one last lesson, Brother Lynn. And he didn't talk to them about systematic theology, even though that's important. He didn't talk to them about the 12 laws of leadership. He didn't tell them how to grow a big church. When he had those apostles gathered around, do you know what they were talking about? Who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Look it up in your Bible. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, getting ready to go to the cross, his 11 faithful disciples are arguing about who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And Jesus didn't preach a long sermon. He laid aside his garments. And he took a towel. He was taking the posture of an oriental slave. He took a towel and he got down and he did what one of those 11 guys should have done. Well, actually, he washed the 12. Let that sink in. He washed Judas's feet too, if I read it correctly. He washed their dirty feet. And I know we've made it a ceremony, you know, uh, a ritual, if you will. But I believe that their feet were dirty because they, they wore sandals and they walked in the dirt all the time. And Jesus got down. Think about the God that you serve. I serve a God that washes feet. My Jesus, the Lord of all creation, the one who spoke the world into existence. Not only did he come to this world, man, if that wasn't humbling enough to come here and be one of us, amen, if that wasn't enough. But he lived his whole life. You know what Jesus said again in the latter part of his ministry? He said, the Son of Man did not come to be ministered unto, but to minister, the Greek word is diakonos, diakoneo, but to minister and to give his life a ransom. Jesus came to serve. And my brothers, if we're here to do anything other than serve, we've missed the boat. Not only the deacons, but every Christian. You and I have been called to follow the example of Jesus. Jesus said, do you know what I've done when he washed their feet? And of course they didn't. <laughs> the lesson went all over their head just like it always did. But Jesus said, I am your Lord and I wash your feet. The servant is not greater than his Lord. He said, if you know these things and you do them, happy are you. I want to be happy. How about you? The way to be happy is to get out of your, stop being wrapped up in yourself and your own needs and your own issues and get out there and serve the people. And I believe this. You know, the Bible says, let these first be proved and then let them use the office of a deacon. I believe that a good deacon is going to be deaconing before he ever gets on the board. Oh, no, he's not got the title yet because he's not in it for the title. He's in it for the towel. He's already washing feet. He's already doing the things that the deacon does. And in that way, we prove. It's kind of like people say, you preach your own funeral. 
You know, you deacon your own way into being a deacon. If that is your desire, if that is your calling, okay? All right. In just a moment, we're going to, we're going to bring these two men up there and, and their wives for an ordination ceremony. And it's a holy thing. I wanted this to be special for you guys. All through my ministry, I've never had anything really special done for me. And, and, you know, and I'm not crying sour grapes, but I want this to be special for you. A day that you always remember because this is a sacred, sacred thing. Now, there may be here, somebody here today. I'm not doing a traditional altar call. I don't want to do that today. If there's somebody here, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I will pray with you before you leave. And I can lead you in a prayer of repentance. There's no magic formula, but I can do that. The gospel of Jesus Christ says that Jesus came to this world. God became a man. He lived among us. He lived a perfect life, keeping the law 100%. He never sinned. He died on the cross in your place and in my place. He was put in a borrowed tomb. He rose again the third day, and he ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he is right now. And on the day of Pentecost, he sent the Holy Spirit to the world, and he has been here ever since. And the three things that he's doing, he is convicting the world of the unbelief of Jesus, about the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and of the judgment of the devil. The devil is condemned. He's on his way to the lake of fire. If you follow him, that's where you'll be. But Christ is calling out to you. Softly and tenderly, he is calling out to you. And I know this is written to a church, but it sure does hit home. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Is God knocking at the door of your heart this morning? If he is, don't leave here. Hey, you don't have to have the preacher to pray with you. These deacons will be glad to lead you to the Lord. Any of these deacons would. Or any God-fearing member of this church who knows Jesus Christ. It's not limited to the clergy. It's not limited to the clergy at all. But don't leave. Don't spend another day without Christ. Eternity is forever. And there are no second chances after death. All right, I'm going to ask Joel and, and Adam and their wives to come up here. We've got two chairs on the platform.